being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560 The Source. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Lines are open, by the way, 303-477-5600. Text line 307-200-8222. Any question you have, comment, whatever it is, let us know. We'd love to chat with you, especially if you've got a problem with your vehicle. It could be anything from, you know, what used car do I buy? What should I look at? Where do I think the market's going to head? I'll talk about that a little bit in this hour as well. Uh, you know, how often should I change oil? You name it. Whatever the question is, let me know. We'll get that answer. Doesn't matter. And there's, we've said it for years and years. There's never a dumb question here. If you've got a question, most likely somebody else has the same question and they're wanting to know as well. They just have never thought to call in. So if you've got a question that you need answered, let us know. We'll get you taken care of. Now, when it comes to the Canadian vehicles, I'll talk about that. First of all, I, I'm not a fan of. I'll just stay, say that straight up. Doesn't mean that there aren't some good vehicles coming down from Canada, but I think you need to be extremely, extremely careful with those sorts of vehicles. Typically, those are vehicles that the big dealers are buying in mass quantities, and they're just buying whatever they can to fill up their lots with inventory. Now, as I said earlier with Kurt, is that all bad? The answer is, it depends. It could be. Just depends on where that vehicle originated from. You have got to do a lot of work in trying to figure out that vehicle, where it originated from, you know, why is it now being sold. Any vehicle you buy has to have an inspection done, period. Probably haven't talked about that enough of late. Uh, I don't know why. We just, you know, we, we, we do things sort of in spurts according to what you guys need as listeners, but make sure that your vehicle is inspected prior to buying, not after. The other thing I want to talk about, too, once we're done with this, is there's a ton of folks out there all over social media and the like offering services to help you buy a vehicle. They're not a broker. They're just assisting you in the buying of a vehicle. And I would guess in some cases what they're doing may not even be full, fully legal, depending upon the state that you're in. That's a whole other conversation that... We may get into, and some of you that know that world better than I, I'm not sure some of these people are even able to legitimately charge for what they're doing, given the fact that they're really the negotiator in this transaction, and they're making money off of it. Given the fact that's what they're doing, they're technically a broker. But I don't know how the law, I don't know what the law reads, but I do know there's folks out there that will charge you to help you buy a car. Now, the reason why... I guess I've never gone down that path is, number one, I just don't think that's something that people need to be charged for. There's enough information out there, and there's enough folks like myself running around that'll do it for free, where I just have never felt the need to charge people to help them buy a car. It's really not that difficult. 
we do enough of this on a weekly basis, even in training people what to do when it comes to buying a car, new or used, that I just don't think you need to charge somebody to do so. Again, we'll get into that in a moment. Back to Canadian cars. Again, there's a reason why those cars are on the market. There's a reason why they end up here. One of the things that you also have to look for on those Canadian vehicles is, is there any other surface damage or rust or corrosion or things along those lines happening and in some cases, you have a very hard time seeing that before you actually get down and look at the vehicle. And that's one of those things you really have to pay close attention to. The other thing that we have found on some of these vehicles coming out of, a, out of Canada especially is you can't even get some of the original window stickers and so on in English because if it was sold in the French area, it will have a French window sticker. And getting an English one, good luck. So you just, in my opinion, you just end up with more hurdles to jump through buying a car coming down out of Canada than you would finding one on a local basis. I'm not even a big fan, and you all know this. I am not a fan of even buying cars from some of our Rust Belt areas or the East Coast, and if that's where I know the car originated from, I'm probably not buying it. Okay? It's just me. And I know not everybody's me, and some people have a different standard than what I have, but I, I just I don't like cars that come from those areas because of the rust corrosion end of things. Yes, I understand, and I said this earlier in the last hour, <clears throat> that those vehicles, today's vehicles, I should say, have a lot more rust and corrosion preventative measures built into the vehicle than they ever have had, but that doesn't mean that they'll be completely rust and corrosion free as time goes by depending upon what part of the country they've come from and we call it the rust belt and that's where charlie grew up we call it the rust belt for a reason there's just more rust in those areas than there is in others it's also why you have to be careful of vehicles that come out of the gulf state areas same situation they're not the rust belt but for years and years and years you couldn't buy a used car out of florida for example it would be a rust bucket. You couldn't buy a car out of, out of the you know, southern Texas area. Same situation. You had to be careful of those cars coming out of those coastal areas. Not necessarily California because they don't have the humidity. But all of those other coastal areas, you had to be careful of what you were buying just because of the amount of rust and corrosion that would be on said car. So any used car... You really need to look at where did the car come from and why is it being sold. Now, one more thing. <clears throat> Given the amount of hail we've had recently here in Colorado, I saw last night out in Lyman, they even had people bringing their animals inside because they were expecting and or had tennis ball-sized hail. Now, I've, in my life, never seen in real life a tennis, tennis ball size hail. I've seen golf ball, and I've, I know the damage that a golf ball size hail can do, but I've never seen a tennis ball size hail. And I can only imagine the destruction and even the death that would occur from being hit with one of those. I mean, it's the, basically a rock the size of a tennis ball coming down out of the sky right on top of you. Very, very devastating. Why am I bringing up hail? Well... There's going to be a lot of vehicles used 
and even some new, hitting the market as we speak that have either had hail damage, still have hail damage, and you don't know how it was repaired. And it's going to be very important for people buying new and used cars alike to know what was done to the vehicle to repair the hail damage. Was it done with a paintless dent removal? And if so, what does that look like? Was it done by replacing panels and paint? And down, you know, and, and on down the line we go. I again personally don't want to own that vehicle. Now, there are vehicles that can be fixed relatively easily that have light hail damage with paintless dent removal. The integrity of the vehicle is good and the paint looks good and all of that. It's not a huge issue. But each case has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. And some of you are saying, well, how do you know if it was fixed right even with paintless dent removal? In a lot of cases, not all, but depending upon who did the paintless dent removal... You can see remnants underneath where the dents were in the panel underneath because in a lot of cases they'll be scratched or they'll have score marks because they're fixing the dent from the underside out. Yes, in some cases they can glue some things to the paint and they can pull the dent and do some things from the top side. But in a lot of cases they're, they're using the underside of the panel or both, by the way, to fix said panel. And in a lot of cases, they will scratch the coating that's on the underside of said panel, which in Colorado is not a huge issue. But if this car's come from another area, that scratching of the underside of the panel could result in some corrosion in that area over time. And it's why I'm saying you have to be careful as to what you're doing when you buy a hail-damaged vehicle. I hope all of that made sense. If any of you have any questions along those lines at all, please ask. And I have a client of mine that I had a suggestion to the other day that had a severely hail-damaged vehicle that's going to involve replacement of panels, including cutting the roof on and off the vehicle. That's a vehicle I would not own. That's a vehicle I would not fix. I would take the insurance money, sell that car off, pay off whatever loan is on it if there is one, And I would run. I would not own a vehicle that has to have a roof replaced due to hail damage. It's just me personally. I'm not doing that. So I know everybody's different. I'm very particular when it comes to my vehicles, and I'm very unique, and I get made fun of because of that, and I understand that. But I personally would not own a vehicle along those lines if it were me. So let's take a quick break. Larry's lining up some calls right now, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Geno's Auto Service in Littleton is celebrating 40 years in business. This month, get a $50 NAPA prepaid Visa card with a qualifying NAPA brake purchase of $250 or more. Have you had your brakes checked recently? At Geno's, we recommend checking them every 5,000 miles. Stop in this month and we'll check your brakes for free. Should you need brakes, now is the time to take advantage of Geno's anniversary NAPA brake special. For 40 years, Geno's Auto Service has been serving Littleton and customers along the front range. As members of Colorado Select Auto Care, we back up our work with NAPA's nationwide, peace of mind, 36-month, 36,000-mile warranty. 
To make your life simpler, Genos offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. Don't forget to check out all our Genos Google reviews for a good snapshot of our business. Give us a call or go online to schedule an appointment. We're AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon. Stop in or visit us online at genosautoservice.com. That's Genos with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards, find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic, keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them, and be polite. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop, and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic, altercations, and accidents, so put this number into your phone. 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com. Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm, and proud sponsor of Drive Radio. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. I do appreciate it very much. Bill from Centennial is next. Go ahead, Bill. You're up, sir. Hey, thanks for letting me call in again. Sure, I no, no problem, Bill. No problem at all. Yeah, I used to be an insurance agent, and I uh, sold my agency. And Do you know what consumer – oh, first of all, thanks for your information about Canadian vehicles and the Moroni sticker and all that stuff being no worries. in French. No worries. No worries. <laughs> uh, do you know what consumer, not business, do you know what consumer loves hail-damaged cars? I'm not talking about businesses and body shops and 
windshield replacement. But what consumer loves hail-damaged cars? Probably the low-end buyer. No, farmers out on the eastern oh. slope. Oh, they want they want to buy they want to buy a pickup truck, and they can get a hell of a discount on a hail damaged pickup truck. Get the warranty. Yeah, with good it, point. But they don't. But, but they don't care what the hell it yeah, looks like. No, you're right about that. Yeah, great point. No, that. Yeah, I I hear you now. That makes total sense. Yeah, I knew a guy on the eastern slope got like fourteen, fifteen grand off of a yeah. pickup. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, back in my early days when my uncle was a dealer out there and I didn't have a lot of extra money, uh, you know, I, I as a new you know, new family or whatever, I bought a couple of different vehicles along those lines, got them back, did a few things to them to spruce them up as much as I could, and some of the hail dents just stayed because it was what it was, and I saved enough money on the car to make it work. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I understand well, like I fully what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Farmers use them out on the field and stuff and beat the hell out of them. Yeah, and at the end of the day, they, they, they don't damage. really care because the looks of it's not a big issue to them. That's right. Plus, they're getting a new warranty on a new vehicle. True. A bit for the mechanical side. True. Good point. Anyway, just my two cents. No, Thanks. you know what? I, I kind of had, you're right, I kind of had forgotten about that, but you're 100% correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bill, That's thanks. Thanks, guys. No, thanks. Appreciate it very much. And, uh... Yeah, again, is is buying a hail-damaged vehicle a bad deal? And, and by the way, line's open. Give us a call, anything you've got along those lines, or a question even on some of this, uh, by all means. You know, ask. Maybe you've got a hail-damaged vehicle, and you're trying to figure out what do I do, what's my best option, and so on, 303-477-5600. Um, I personally, back to the hail damage on certain cars and how bad it gets. If I had the, and I know this is a tough one, but if I had the choice of having to have the roof replaced on a hail-damaged car versus living with a certain amount of dents, I would probably live with the dents before I had a new roof put on. Just me talking. And or, you'd have to go to some collision center that you really 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 trust to put a new roof on a vehicle because that is one of the most difficult items there would ever be to do on a vehicle as far as panel replacement goes is the roof and again just one of those areas that I would be doing whatever I possibly could to Either mask the dents, put a different sunroof in it if there's not one now. Uh, I'd be doing any number of things I could to minimize the the looks of that damage without actually having to put, you know, cut one roof off and put a new roof on. Personally, I I wouldn't keep the car. That would just be me personally. I'm not... I, I, I would not keep the vehicle. I would figure out a way to take the money and, again, do whatever you need to do on the loan balance and so on and, and you know, push that car off. And if somebody else wanted to fix it or do whatever they needed to, or if in, in the case of Bill a moment ago, they buy a much discounted car from what it was prior, you know, fine, H- however you want to do that. Now, where it gets a little dicey, side note, is if the car has a lien – the check you get is going to be made to you and most likely the collision center that has given you the bid. Okay, And, and I've got a couple of people on hold. Hang tight. Larry, I'll get right to you, so hang tight. We know you're there. Just be, be 
be uh, be patient. He'll be right with you. But in, going back to this claim, in most cases, the check's going to be written out to you and the collision center. So you're going to have to work through all of that and determine if you're going to sell the vehicle off, how do you make all of this work, still get the lien paid and get title and so on and so forth. Once you have title to the car, uh, the, the, you know, the collision center would not be involved in the check side of the aisle. So again, that's something you're going to have to work through with even your insurance company and collision center when it comes to what I just talked about. Jack and Longmont, you're next. Got a question about uh, catalytic converter theft. Um, sure. There's a small independent muffler shop here in town that says they put on some kind of guard over the uh, catalytic converter to make it more difficult to steal. Um, so I wanted your thoughts on how to protect uh, or make it more difficult to get one stolen. And if you put some kind of shield or guard around it, I mean, does that cause a problem with heat or uh, any other kind of no. problem with the catalytic converter? Not typically. And most of the what we call, con- they're called converter locks, are usually a cable-type apparatus, Jack, where you use special fasteners on each end of the cat over the exhaust pipe itself, it clamps on, and then the cables stretch across the you know catalytic converter. And it really, and again, they're long enough to where even if you cut beyond that, uh, there's not room in the vehicle to actually do so. So whoever's installing it does it in such a way to where it just deters uh, that person from getting underneath there and cutting all of that off. And again, they have to be installed correctly, or they can just cut to the outside edges of where the lock is and eventually cut the lock off once they have it at home or, or you know wherever they're doing this at or so on. Bottom line, we're trying to you know slow that thief down. So even if they just look up underneath there and say, ah. This thing's got a lock on and I'm moving to the next vehicle. It's like a club on the car where they're trying to steal the car. Just deterring them enough to get them from your vehicle to the next is usually enough. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of vehicles, Priuses especially, where they make an entire shield that will go under the vehicle to where they can't access the pipes and the catalytic converter at all. They're very effective. They're more expensive than what I just said a moment ago. But do they work? Absolutely. And no, when it comes to heat and all of that, there's no issues there, Jack. Okay, yeah, this is a Honda CRV. It's like a 2008. So <clears throat> that would be the way you'd go. Is this uh, cable? Th- th- I mean, that would be your first choice. Yeah, they, they make them where, where they make several different lock uh, types. I guess is the right right wording there, Jack. Most of them are uh, you know some sort of a you know cut resistant cable that they stretch around the catalytic converter, and then there's special clamps on each end that are, are untamperable okay. that they then clamp onto the pipe. And that's typically how a catalytic converter lock works. Now on yours, you might actually be able to get the shield, you know, cause it's a, it's an SUV. And by the way, on, on that type of vehicle, having a shield underneath it or a skid plate, if you would, that's around it, nothing wrong with that either. It just gives you more protection in case something would ever fly up on the road or whatever. It's more protection uh-huh. under the vehicle. So nothing wrong with doing that either. Okay. All right. appreciate that. And anything info. to slow that thief down and make him go to the next car, Jack. All right. Exactly. That's all you're looking okay. for. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it very much. Gary in Denver, you're next. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, hi, John. Um, yeah, I guess if people are like me, uh, in 2016, I bought a brand new Kia Forte, hail damage, uh, list was 18000 I got it for eleven. Nice. I really don't care about what my car looks like. As long as it gets me from point A to point B, I'm good. Yep. And, uh, you know, I got a full warranty. 
So uh, that was my experience. But I understand some people have a lot of pride in their vehicle. It might be different. But, uh, yeah, and, and, you and, know, and, I, again, and again, to your point, Gary, depends on the individual, what they're using the vehicle for. You know, the example of the farmer was great. I mean, they don't care at the end of the day. They're like you. They're just using it as a tool, you know, mainly. They don't care if it's hail damaged or not. And, yeah, the savings is significance because what's happened is the in the in the case of the dealership they've taken the hail money they write the vehicle down because they've got the insurance money on it they can sell the vehicle for a lot less money and you're the winner exactly so when i trade this in and get a new one i'm gonna look for a hail damaged car again I, I bought, you know, like I said, my uncle was a dealer out in Burlington years and years and years ago, and I can remember in the late 80s, uh, you know, buying a Pontiac along those same lines. And when I got it, Gary, I did a few things to it to try to, it was a white car, luckily, so it didn't show as bad. And I did a few things to it and eliminated the majority of the dents, but I didn't get them all out and just drove the car anyways. It was a great car, and it worked fabulous. I, I did just what you're doing. Yeah, uh, John, just a quick question about oil changes. You know, I... I'm always shocked that people pay more than, say, $20, $25 for an oil change. I've always gone to, you know, either uh, Midas or a Goodyear, or, and I've never had any problem with paying $20, $22, $23 for an oil change. Why do people pay so much more? Well, in today's world, and you're an example of this, if you're not paying uh, in other words, in your case, Gary, you're not getting a full-service oil change at that price, and you're driving a vehicle with direct injection, and it needs the EPR conditioner, the EPR, you know, the, the BG EPR. That needs done at every oil change and should be followed up with 44K, and there's no way you're going to get that done for 30 bucks. What's the EPR? It's engine performance restoration. It decarbons the engine in the direct injection engines like what you have. They carbon up much more quickly than other engines do. And if you don't keep up on that, as time goes by, you'll end up with big repair bills getting the carbon out of the vehicle, out of the engine. Okay, can I get that done separately if I wanted to have that done? It's always done at the time of an oil change. So, no, you can't. It has to be done when you change oil. Okay, that's good information. The next time you get an oil change, I'll... Yeah, that, and, that, and on your vehicle specifically, Gary, that needs done, yes. All right, that's good advice. Thank okay. you so much. You're very welcome, Gary. I appreciate that. And, and the other thing, too, really quick when it comes to cheap oil changes is there is a huge difference. Not in the oil, because for the most part, oil is the same. If you're getting full synthetic, it's full synthetic, and I don't care what name's on the bottle. It all meets the right specs. It's good to go. I'm not worried about that. The quality of the oil filter, though... There is a vast difference between what you're getting at a high-end uh, shop like one of our Colorado Select facilities that's using a Napa Platinum or a Napa Gold filter. There is a vast difference between that filter and its ability to filter out particulates in the oil from what's being used at a fast loop, even some of the dealer fast loops, by the way. And I mean the quality of the filter can be on a scale of 1 to 10, a 1 on the low end and a 10 on the high end. There's that much difference, and I am not exaggerating. There's plenty of YouTube videos out there where you can go to, like, Bob the Oil Guy, and he's got YouTube videos where cutting these filters apart will show you exactly what I mean. Everything from the can thickness, the media inside, the, the bypass valve. Uh, there are some of these filters that literally are being put on a vehicle at an oil change for that cheap price 
that within 500 to 1,000 miles is probably in bypass mode and is doing nothing to filter the oil at all because it's already contaminated and full at that point because it's so cheap. And I'm not exaggerating, <clears throat> excuse me, not exaggerating in the least in what I just said. So more questions. we got lines open, 303-477-5600. I've got some other things to comment on about Canadian vehicles that I'm getting texted on when I come back as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie, distributing your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. This week, we want to give you a little reminder on the best time to use a fuel system cleaner. As you ready your car for that summer road trip, make sure you top off the fuel tank with a top-tier gasoline and a fuel system cleaner like the BG 44K. By cleaning your fuel system on a long road trip, you get the best possible opportunity to clean the entire fuel system while the vehicle is at operating temperature and maximum operating conditions. So, as you load up your vehicle and get ready for your summer vacation, make sure you use BG44K in your gas tank to get the best possible fuel economy for your road trip. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG Products. We'll talk to you again next week. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured. But you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, You'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. All right, Rush to, or sorry, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. I almost said Drive Radio yesterday on Rush to Reason. So, anyways, you guys know who I am and what we're doing. Question of the day, the best car repair or driving tip dad ever taught you. That is our question of the day, 303-477-5600. And I've been talking a lot about hail damage, insurance, things along those lines. I've got another 
uh, comment that uh, came in from a listener yesterday that we had some conversations back and forth with on a truck that was totaled by lightning, which I will get into in just a moment as well. I'll put a bu- couple of these on hold really quick. Larry, I'll get those answered. So hang tight. Those of you that are waiting, hang tight. Larry will be right with you and we'll get you taken care of. One of the other things that somebody texted in about on the Canadian vehicles is a lot of these units are having their head display. So they're, you know, the display that shows you mileage and so on changed out. Because if they don't, they will keep showing kilometers versus miles. And I think that is a true statement. So, in fact, I know that's a true statement. It's one of the things I was going to add into this as well. So, one other thing to look at is, has all of that been done? Is it going to be correct? And, you know, it's the last thing you want to do is be dinking around with, with all of that. Now, outside of that, as far as emissions and all of that goes, there's really no issues with any of that. Again, I'm just not a big fan of buying these vehicles out of country for various reasons and uh, anyways that's just one of those things that uh, that uh, you know I, I personally am not a big fan of ed is up next ed welcome how are you today pretty good pretty good i just received a notice on the registration fee voucher for repair you know on these things repairing your vehicle for so much money and all this okay are they any good so I'm not. I don't know if I'm following you, Ed. So you received well, it's more we, to repair your car. You know, like uh, you. Uh, I don't know to fix your car. They pay so much to have your car fixed. Okay, so and and this is through who sent you this, Ed? Where where's this coming from? Auto Auto Protect USA. Throw it away. I know it because uh, they say well, and plus besides that, they got a 2016 Jeep. There's a 2014. Yeah, this is one of those extended warranty, you know, extended service contracts company trying to sell you an extended warranty and all of that, and or even an extended repair package. You throw it away. You don't need it. Uh, and one other question on that Jeep 2014, uh-huh. Jeep four-wheel drive. It has a vibration when I put it in drive, and when I get up to 35, at 55 it vibrates, but it don't do it any other time. What would be causing that? So it only vibrates in four-wheel drive? Is that what you're saying, Ed? Well, it vibrates in drive. When I put it in drive, it vibrates. No matter whether it's in two wheel drive, four wheel drive, doesn't matter. No, well, I haven't driven four wheel drive. Well, I think it does. Though. Okay. But uh, it, and plus, it vibrates when up to thirty five, and after that, it moves out to about fifty five. It starts vibrating at fifty five. After fifty five, it starts smooth again. Uh, anybody done anything uh, wheels and tires, or check drive line, or anything? In other words, what's been done inspection wise at this point? Well, we I've had some uh, <clears throat> some uh, some things done to the you know I mean the shocks and stuff like that. Uh, had it lined up and and uh, what else? Uh, sway bars put in. Okay. And uh, uh, one of the CV joints put them up, but both them in the you know both of them. So in. so a couple of things, Ed, and you can even you know text or email me on this, and I can help you through this process. But the next thing I would do to kind of determine where this vibration is coming from is once it's really vibrating heavily, and does it change whether you're on the gas or off the gas, or is it just there constant? No, it's not constant. I mean, it will when you sit there, it vibrates in drive. Okay. Oh, you're sitting. And did you take off? Vibrates up to about thirty-five miles an hour. It smooths out. And you get up to 55, it starts it again, up to about 60, it does okay. Check all of your motor motor mounts and transmission mount. Oh, yeah, that's right. Check that's that next say. before you do anything else. 
Okay, my little friend. Okay. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Ed. Appreciate you calling very much as well. George in Arvada, you're next. Go ahead, George. Well, you said earlier uh, there were no dumb questions. but No, there is not. That, this may put it to the test. <laughs> okay. But, uh, bought a, uh, a new uh, Toyota pickup truck a okay. year or so ago, and they p- come with nitrogen in the tires. Sure. Um, now, of course, my compressor only puts out air. Correct. Compressed air, so uh, that's what I've been putting in occasionally when it's a little low. That's fine. Uh, okay, I'm glad to hear that. And... Uh, can I use the same gauge yes. that I'm using for... Yeah, pressure's pressure's pressure. That part doesn't matter. And okay. keep in mind, our, our regular you know, nitrogen content of what you and I are breathing is coming out of the air is 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. So we've already got nitrogen in the air. What the machines are doing or the, the individuals that are putting you know, more nitrogen in the tire, and there's a lot of debate on is that really worthwhile or not, and... I think there's a little bit, a little bit of validity to it, uh, George. Supposedly, the the um, if you look at the the uh, molecules that are in nitrogen, pure nitrogen, or it's about 98 percent versus what you're breathing. Uh, the molecules are such that they don't escape the rubber of the tire, and you don't have the deflation over time that you normally would. But frankly, George, if you're just checking your air pressure once every six months or so in Colorado, you're really not going to have a big issue. And do you need to go to some place that's got nitrogen to top them off? No, you don't. And by the way, even a 98% mix going into a tire that already has a certain amount of air in it, you're never getting 98% nitrogen in that tire anyways. You're probably at the... I don't know, 84, 85% mark when it's all said and done, so maybe 10% better than what you're breathing. It's not total nitrogen anyways. All right. Thank you so much for that. You're very welcome, George. Yeah, do not feel bad about putting regular air in the tire. Not going to bother a thing. Bill in Lakewood, you're next. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey have you done a review on the new Bronco Yes, yet? I sure have. Two have of them. I've driven two way? so far. Did you do the sport, the small one? I did not. I've not driven a sport. The sport's just an escape with a different body. Because, because when I did, I watched one thing on YouTube, and it sounds like there's a bunch of different engines going into that. There, is, well, on the on the full size Bronco, there is yes, but not the sport. I don't know a ton about the sport. I think the sport probably only comes with one option, but it could be two. I, again, that's not a vehicle I'm that familiar with because, frankly, it. I'm sorry. I just have the opinion on a Bronco Sport that if you're going to buy it, go buy a Ford Escape and save money because it's the same car. So what, what does Chevy have to compete with them? Oh, your Equinox is going to be close. I mean, whatever it competes with an Escape. I guess a Trax maybe? Maybe not even Equinox. A Trax probably? Well, you know, my wife, she's been driving an Equinox, I don't know, for the last 10 years or whatever. And the one before this one was a Premier. I think I called you up once when she first got it. And it, this one as the smaller engine, and she hates it. Yeah, they went down in engine size. The one you had prior, I think, actually worked better than the one you own. I'll, I'll agree with you on that, or I'll agree with her on that one 100%. She loved it. I mean, it was peppy. This thing's a dog. You know, You know, we got it from Carl, and he goes, well, you can use regular. Well, big deal. Who cares? We don't care. And, you know, I, my truck is three years old, and I almost got 1,000 miles on it. So gas means nothing. Right, to me. right. Not a huge issue for you, exactly. Okay, I, and, and again, I, I, I'm sorry, Bill. I just I don't know the Bronco Sport all that well. 
Uh, I don't know what the engine options are. That's not a vehicle that I've even had as a press car to even compare to. And I'll just be quite honest. I'm not a huge fan of it. Again, because if you're going to buy a Bronco, buy a full-size Bronco. If you're going to go buy a Bronco Sport, then just go buy a Ford Escape and save money. Well, you know, the, the reason why I'm thinking the Sport, because these parking lots, they're terrible with anything. You know, I have a, a 94 that I've had since new, and it's a full-size Silverado, and it's a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a 454 in it, and you can't drive it in these parking lots anymore. Right. You know, I mean, so that's that's just that's the only reason I'm thinking of something small. And again, I, not against, I'm, I'm by no means, it looks like, by the way, the Sport it comes in two different engines, either a 1.5 or a 2 liter is what I'm looking at as far as the, the base model versus their high-end model. The base model's got a 1.5, the high-end has a 2 liter. So, uh, you know, there may be another one in, in between there, but from what I'm seeing, there's a couple of different engine options on that. Yeah, you know, and that 94, you know, I've owned it since new, and that used to be my only vehicle. I've gone four-wheel driving with it. And that big thing on a dirt road, <laughs> it don't turn around real good. No. So. No, it okay, does not. Hey, no, you're very welcome, Bill. Appreciate it. And, yeah, and I apologize. I just I don't know much about the Bronco Sports. Haven't driven one. Haven't been around much of them. Uh, there's a ton of them in the rental fleets around the country, which if that tells you anything. Again, to me, it's just one of those vehicles that if you're going to buy a Bronco, go buy a Bronco. If you want to buy something similar in size, go buy a Ford Escape and save the money and don't have the Bronco badge on it. And at the end of the day, it's equal, in my opinion. Randy and Northland, you're next. Yeah, I've got a 2014 Acura TL all-wheel drive, 3.7 liter, with the timing timing belt. And uh, it's got it's only got 50,000 miles on it. But I had heard that regardless of the mileage on the uh, vehicle that, you need to replace the timing belt just based on the age of the timing belt itself. Um, I wanted to get your... Uh, how how, you, how do you store the vehicle, Randy? It's in the garage. Okay. Uh, typically, rule of thumb on an everyday vehicle is, you know, you either want to replace that at the mileage request or 10 years, but given that you store that thing inside, you could push that and not have any issues. And given it's a 2014... Uh, we're going to be 2024 next year. In my, you know, in my opinion, given your mileage, uh, you've got another three or four years before I'd even worry about it. Okay, Mike. I guess another question I have: Is there any way that a timing belt can be inspected? Uh, on on the age side, not really. And, and I can already tell you, with your mileage, it's not going to show a ton of wear at the mileage that you're at. As time goes by, and again, one that's one that's not parked indoors where you've got a bigger temperature swing and in different issues. And if we were in a more humid climate, I'd be a little bit more worried about it as well, uh, Randy. Uh, but given where you, you know, where we live here and what we've got for conditions and the miles that are on it and so on, I would not change it at 10 years. That's my recommendation. I, if it were mine, I wouldn't. Okay. I don't right. think you need to. Can, right. can they pull some covers and look? Absolutely. But honestly, by the time they've done that, you might as well put a belt on it. Gotcha. Because you've already okay. got that much work into it at that point. So right. if I were you, just plan on probably, I don't know, 2026 20, or so. You're 12 years out. You'll probably be at, what, 65, 70,000 miles at that point. I'd probably just change it then if it were me. Got it. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you. You're very welcome, Randy. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go, Mike in Arvada. Uh, we can take you before the break. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, John. Uh, yeah, and you're 
one of the topics today, question today. Uh, yeah, I, I think with the hail damage, it kind of depends on your circumstances. Like we, uh, the old uh, Champ uh, Honda, South Broadway, in uh, 91, there was a really pretty uh, wicked uh, hailstorm down down the south end. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we looked, went down there and, and checked it out. And we were, wife and I were, Newly married, pretty newly married, so you know you're pretty do- pretty poor and destitute and pinching pennies and all that. And uh, they had a uh, '91 uh, Civic LX, totally. I mean, they had every option you could have in that year of uh, mm-hmm. Civic. A really nice little car. It it, it uh, rode smooth for that size of car. It was amazingly smooth ride, and uh, you know, usual Honda uh, mechanical quality finish. And, but it was it was really dimpled. It 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 looked like a golf ball. Yep. yep. And for us, it was my work car. I don't care people's opinions are like you know what. Right. And uh, <laughs> I uh, I could care less. But I got in essence I got ten to fifteen percent off a, a essentially mechanically super sound car, dependable the whole nine yards, uh, nice rich maroon color. You know, and it served a purpose for me, and it didn't affect anything as far as performance uh, comfortable super comfortable and uh, it just i think it's circumstance but i'm with you the older you get and maybe get a little more uh comfortable economically and you know maybe you you a little more pride in your you know, cars and right you know, you, just you know it's not a it's not a necessary commuter car i've got my mom's 65 mustang that's that is not a commuter that is right that is a pamper. exactly it's not a it's not a trailer queen but I no, think, that's I a car you want to keep nice. Let's just say it that way. Exactly, best best car my mom had. But I just you know I want to give that input that you know. No, it's you're right. On circumstances. No, no, it's a great point. And I think even Gary earlier, you know, if you're driving this thing daily, it's a commuter. You're going to park in places where you're probably going to end up with door dings and some of those things as well, or maybe maybe even be in another hailstorm because you have to park outside and all of that. Mike, in that particular case, it's. I'm with you. I, if it's got some dents and dings and so on in it, who cares? If you've got, though, different set of circumstances and, you know, you like a little nicer car and you've got the ability to not have to park outside at work and so on and all of that, well, then, you know, hey, do whatever you want to at that point. But, yeah, if you're just going to be driving the thing daily and you may have that same thing happen again, I think I'd take the check and not worry about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's, there's, <laughs> there's the outside consideration of, yeah, I'm like you. Or a native, going born and raised, and I know where the I know where the hail belts are. Yep. And my dad lived out east of uh, Buckley Field for a long time, and that's one of the choice prime like DIA. That's a choice prime hail belt in the Denver area. Correct. And uh, you know, and it, 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 it got, it's interesting. I mentioned my mom's Mustang. He, uh, my dad kind of retired it and set it out. It sat outside. He he didn't put it in the garage. He had the other other vehicles. But it sat out there for probably a good fifteen years, and in the like I said, east of Buckley Field, just a huge bale, uh, hail zone, and that thing probably withstood you know who knows six to ten pretty good hailstorms, not a dimple on the metal, and then you know like I said, this ninety one uh, Civic that we bought up, it just it probably that might was probably was the only hailstorm that it withstood, and it was dimpled all up. It shows that you know the grade of the softer metal, the yeah. American vehicles, with weight savings, you know, uh, they, they build into them. Uh, but I just, I just thought that was interesting. You know, that I, I 
depend on circumstances. I I'm with you. I my present day cars. I I try to baby them, and then that brings me. I won't take up more of your time, but I think that one car point my dad ever made was just, hey, they take care of you if you take care of them. Yep. And so he did a lot of. He did most of his his more serviceable time for a shade tree mechanic, but he did most of his own uh, plan maintenance, you know, scheduled maintenance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's the basic thing, you know, hey, you know, you you get what you out what you pay. That's right. And if you're dependent on not being stranded uh, in the middle of a Colorado uh, two foot uh, snowstorm, you better be prepped and ready. Yep. In fact, I'm going to thank you for that, Mike. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment as soon as we come back. By the way, somebody asked me to to kind of cover what do I carry in my vehicle along the lines of what Mike just said a moment ago. So, Mike, thank you. We'll be right back. Drive Radio KLZ 560. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold Certified Auto Care Shop and employs ASC Certified Technicians. So don't be that guy. And make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555. Or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. Have you ever thought about owning a classic car, hot rod, older truck, or an out-of-the-norm vehicle? Worldwide Vintage Autos is the place to go for all your vintage car and truck needs. With over 80,000 square feet of indoor showroom and warehouse space, they make the shopping experience easy. Every vehicle they sell is checked out by their own staff and is verified as a roadworthy vehicle, and this includes consignment vehicles. When you buy a vehicle from Worldwide, it's a vehicle you can safely drive home. They sell over 1,200 vehicles a year, and most of their inventory comes from people like you and me. If you want to eliminate the hassle of selling your vintage or unique vehicle, give them a call today. 
By the way, sign up today for the VIP list. They'll give you updates on all their new inventory that the general public doesn't see yet, and it's at a discounted price. Worldwide Vintage Autos. Don't let the name fool you. They sell worldwide, but their showroom is right here in Denver. Find them today at WorldwideVintageAutos.com or call 877-378-4679 and make sure you tell them John Rush from Drive Radio sent you. All right, we are back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Somebody said, okay, can uh, you go over what you carry in your vehicles on, you know, kind of a routine basis? And for me, I'll just tell you straight up, it depends on the vehicle, of course. My daily driver, I have a lot more in it than I do some of the other vehicles that I will just drive on an occasion. So the things that are in, you know, truck I drove today, my Colorado, it'll have everything in it from, you know, toe strap, clevis, uh, jump box for if you you know if you have a dead battery you can start it or somebody else. Of course, I've always got water, first aid kit, fire extinguisher. I even carry one of the foldable shovels in that vehicle. So if you're in a a bad snowstorm and you know you got to dig yourself or somebody else out, they're really small you know really small lightweight aluminum shovels. Now you can throw in there. Uh, I've got a small little tool kit. Uh, you know nothing nothing fancy by any means. I also in that truck. Uh, I don't have the road flares anymore, but I do carry the uh, sort of the little beacons, I guess you would call them, the triangular little beacons you can throw out. So if you're on the side of the road and it's the middle of the night and you've got a flat or something, you could make sure people can see you. So I keep some of those in that vehicle as well. I used to carry road flares, but I found these little LED-type blinking lights that are very, very uh, high-powered. They work extremely well. Not that they're any better than a flare, but you know, flares can get kind of messy and nasty over time and uh, anyways, I've just, I converted over to that years ago, so I keep some of those in the vehicle as well. I always have an extra jacket in the car just for whatever reason, especially in the winter months. Not so much this time of the year, although I still have a jacket in there, but uh, winter months especially I'll have an extra jacket. Uh, space blankets, I always have two or three of those in the glove box. Uh, typically I'll have a granola bar or two thrown in there somewhere just in case something happens and you need a little bit of nourishment. You've got that as well. Uh, trying to think if there's anything I'm missing. Um, I mean, I keep as much in there as I think you might need if something were to come up as far as an emergency goes, not just for me or for somebody else that you may be traveling with or around that may need some assistance as well. Now, again, the bigger the truck, the more stuff you can typically carry. Everything I just mentioned, by the way, I can fit under the seat in that truck and underneath the back seat in the truck, so I'm not using up a bunch of other bed space and so on. And I always carry one to two moving blankets with me at all times. Oh, and I always, a set, always have a set of ratchet straps with me as well. The moving blankets are in case you do move something where you need a blanket to wrap around something. Or if I'm out and about and hail is coming, I can throw a moving blanket on the roof and the hood and at least can minimize as much damage as I possibly can with those moving blankets. And they don't take up any space being in the bed of the truck. So that's what I carry in my Colorado at all times. Now, some of you may say that's very excessive. Some of you may say that's not enough. Um, Oh, and I always have a ball mount as well. Sorry, I forgot that as well. So I always have a two-inch ball mount with me in that truck, mainly because it won't carry anything over a two-inch ball. And if it's got a one and seven-eighths, I'm probably not messing with that either. So if it's it's got a two-inch ball and it's a, a trailer of any sorts that I can put behind the Colorado, I'll do that as well. So that's pretty much everything that I carry in my vehicle, I may, 
I may be forgetting something. Um, I no longer carry jumper cables just because they're something I feel is of the past and you don't need any longer. The jump boxes do everything that you would need to do otherwise. I don't carry any spare oil anymore. I don't carry any spare fluids. Uh, Most of these modern vehicles, once they're done and topped off and ready to go, it's just not something that you need to have with you. I've got a minute or so. Mickey, go ahead. I have a 2007 Honda Odyssey in you know automatic transmission, and I'm trying was trying to change the uh, transmission filter, and they sold me one, but it doesn't look like you, it's accessible. It may not be on that vehicle. Uh, it's an 07. That should and that probably only has a screen in it, not a filter, and you'll have to drop the pan to do that, as you know. I I can't even see where you would drop a pan. Uh, should be up, on that vehicle. Should be up towards the front, you know, around the engine area. It'll have a transmission uh, pan on it. I've I've looked and the transmission just comes together. Okay, hold. And, you know what? Hold tight. We're running out of time. Hang tight. I'll look some of this okay. up over the break because I don't remember every single vehicle. So hang tight, Mickey. I'll look that up over the break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. Still haven't had enough. Go to drive-radio.com, email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.